Welcome to the One Question Podcast from O'Brien Governance Design, who specialise in corporate governance for the public and not-for-profit sectors. I'm Will Francis, and in each episode, I ask Trish O'Brien a different question about corporate governance. In this episode, that question is, as a secretary to the board, how do I help the board to look at risk management more strategically? Hi, Trish. Hi, Will. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So for this episode of the podcast, we're looking at risk. Is that right? Yes. um, Risk is it's certainly an important element of corporate governance. And it's one that people, I think, often struggle with. So uh, it's, it's right that we should dedicate one of our episodes to it. It's also included in governance codes and regulations for all sectors. And it's something that's part of external evaluation, which we've we've talked a bit about that in previous podcasts. Okay, so do you want to give us a quick sense of what it says in the codes? Sure. So we have the the code of practice for the governance of state bodies. Uh, As we know, that's the uh, code particularly for public sector bodies. And that that has numerous references to risk. It says that the board's role is to provide leadership and direction of the state body within a framework of prudent and effective controls, which enables risk to be assessed and managed. And then it has these these code provisions, uh, 7.1 and 7.2, and they elaborate on that. And they set out how the board should approve a framework for risk and oversee its implementation. Uh, and it, they also emphasize the importance of the role of the Audit and Risk Committee, which is a, a subcommittee of the board. Uh, its role is particularly important in terms of risk, and it reports into the board on that. And, and it, it, it also, that particular code also provides separate guidance uh, for that Audit and Risk Committee uh, on its role. So, so that's the code of practice, which is for the public sector, as we know, and then with the Charities Governance Code, which is the code published by the, the charities regulator. It says that trustees, which are essentially board members, must consider and reduce risks uh, to which their charity uh, is exposed and regularly review a risk register. Right, yeah. Now, from what I know of risk, it's a pretty big topic. So in this episode, what specific things do you plan on focusing on? It is it is quite a big topic, and there's a lot of different dimensions to risk, and you can you can get very detailed in terms of methodologies and approaches. Um, what I was hoping that we might do is to step back a little bit from the topic and to make connections between how risk is thought about and managed, uh, and the strategy and values of the organisation. So, so to make those connections, um, so I think we'll we'll talk a bit about risk appetite and how that helps to shape thinking about risk. Uh, And I'll also provide an overview of the elements of a risk management framework. Uh, And then we'll try to maybe flesh out what an organization that has a mature or what's called kind of an embedded risk management culture, what that looks like. Great. Okay. So for starters, let's talk about what risk actually is and why it's important. Yeah, well, there's a there's a specialist I read sometimes in this area called a guy called David Hilson, Doctor David Hilson. He's written a number of books on risk, and he describes risk as uncertainty that matters. And uncertainty um, matters and becomes a risk if it's going to impact on organizational objectives. Looking at objectives through risk can can really tighten the organization's focus on what it needs to do 
and what might impact upon its progress. So if, if you define objectives without taking risks into consideration, there's a higher chance that you can lose direction if any of those risks uh, eventually hit home. And is risk always a bad thing? Well, traditionally, I think, you know, risk was always associated really with negative outcomes only. And, and you know, we, we can think about it in those terms. But the more kind of current contemporary discussion, if you like, on risk sees it as signifying uncertainty rather than threat necessarily. So something that's uncertain, it won't necessarily lead to negative outcomes. You know, it could it could equally result in, in a positive outcome. And that threat and opportunity are, are now seen kind of as two sides or two flavors of risk. Uh, and it's also something I think we, we comprehend easily maybe in other contexts, you know, when we talk about high risk, high gain scenarios and things like that. Yeah. And just bringing it back to the board, you know, what's their responsibility for risk? Well, it's the role of the board to agree the risk appetite for the organisation, um, to oversee how it operates, its risk management framework. And, and ultimately to satisfy itself that the way the organization is managing risk is sound. And normally the Auditor and Risk Committee, which reports to the board, has the role of assuring the board about risk management. And then you have the executive role, the staff role, as it were, is to design and implement that framework and to ensure that the organization operates within the risk appetite that's been agreed by the board. Risk appetite, right. Okay, so <laughs> let's start by unpacking that a little bit. What, what is that exactly? Yeah, well, what we often find when we work with organizations is that they have a risk register and that might name a, you know, a number of risks and how they're going to try to avoid them. Um, but they often haven't started at a step up from that, which is, which is to think about as an organization, which is both the board and the staff, what the organization's risk appetite is. And, you know, that is essentially how much risk the organization is prepared to accept in trying to achieve its objectives. That's essentially what the, what the risk appetite is. And it's really important that they take that step because, firstly, setting the risk appetite reminds the board and the executive that risk isn't a random thing or a parallel concept. It, it's something that's related to strategy and to the role of the board. And the other thing is that how you think and feel about risk is it's, it's quite a subjective thing. Um, so to go through a, a discussion on risk appetite really helps to express those views and brings out differences and, in thinking and in interpretation. So is risk appetite about kind of low, medium, high levels of risk being acceptable, that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, in, in, you know, in, in some areas... There may be no appetite for risk. In other areas, there may be quite a high appetite for risk. So first of all, you need to, to agree the terminology that you're, you're using to describe risk. You, know, you, you mentioned low, medium, high, and I've seen those levels used. Um, and there are other examples um, where you might have opposed to risk, might be on sort of one end of the spectrum. So that's kind of the, the where the avoidance of risk is a priority. And then on the other end of the continue, continue might be enterprise, uh, which means uh, being eager to be innovative and to accept greater uncertainty. So that's other language that's used. In other cases, you might see risk averse being on, on one side, again, avoiding risk and then risk seeking the other side. So having quite a, quite a high appetite for risk. 
And that use of the terms, you know, enterprise and risk seeking, that brings us back to the idea of uncertainty, not always leading to negative outcomes. So deciding then on on the terminology for the levels of risk appetite is important uh, because it gives some common language for the board and the staff together to use. So that's the first thing. You then need to articulate a definition for each of those levels. So we can have our levels of, you know, opposed to risk or whatever it happens to be, risk averse, risk seeking, et cetera, whatever language that is. Um, but we then need to to agree um, to articulate a def- definition for each of those levels. So if you're adopting levels that range from risk seeking to risk averse, you might define risk seeking as actively seeking and accepting opportunities to take actions that have uncertain outcomes, while risk averse might be defined as accepting as little risk as possible. So by doing that, you're creating a common language around risk that provides a kind of a shorthand for the board and the executive so that they can manage together, they can manage risk uh, more strategically. But I I think it's important perhaps to also um, think about how people decide on their appetite for risk, because that's not a hunch based thing, is it? There's, you know, for instance, the way that a bank manages customer data, um, there's very, they would, they would probably go through kind of worst case scenarios and work out, you know, how bad would it be if we had a problem here, right? So we know we have to be incredibly risk averse when it comes to handling customer data as a bank, for instance, you know, how do people decide on their appetite? Are there, do they do kind of SWOT analyses? Um, do they look at what the worst case scenarios could be um, if the risk, you know, uh, played out as, as, as badly as possible? And then they kind of decide where on the spectrum they are. How, how does that work? Yeah, so I think what, what you're kind of getting into there as well is, is risk tolerance. Now, I think the... I think the first thing in terms of the appetite aspect is just even deciding that terminology about where, you know, what what is our spectrum of risk here? How do we, what language are we comfortable with in kind of an objective sense? I think the next thing that that what you're getting into there is really around, is around tolerance for things as well. And this is where it's so important to have that board and staff engagement together um, because, and again, it comes back to, things being subjective, but also knowledge around things. So, you know, I've come across situations with a board whereby they might feel that they have a very low level of risk appetite about a certain thing, but a very high level of risk appetite about something else. But they're not, board members aren't always experts in what the business does. Um, and sometimes they may not understand the connections between those things. So something that they think they're, uh, they wish to be act- actively uh, engaged in risk about could actually be affecting something that they have their risk averse about. Um, and that's where working that through mm. with staff is is extremely important. And and it doesn't happen so a, a lot of the time. So that kind of um, SWAT type exercise that you're talking about, I think, you know, all of that, any of those tools that can start getting behind um, the organization's thinking about risk can really help. And and I think one thing we would really be advocating is that a really good time to be doing this is when you're working out your strategy. 
um, or when you're reviewing your strategy. So, you know, organizations tend to put a lot of time into thinking about what it is they want to do over the next period of time. Um, they don't always spend a lot of time thinking about what might impact on them being able to do it. Um, uh, so if we could start thinking about risk and uncertainty in the context of strategy, where you traditionally would do more of the kind of SWOT analysis and and pest analysis, whatever else it might be, that's informing your thinking and, and external consultation. If we could wrap risk into that, uh, I think we could benefit from both the strategic perspective and and how risk relates to that. So just not seeing these things as parallel uh, activities. Okay, so you've described levels of risk. Now, presumably, you're going to apply them to areas of work of the organisation. Yeah, so we, we have these levels and these definitions. Um, and we, ha- we have the, the sort of the risk appetite framework, if you like. And, and now we need to apply that so that we can establish our, our appetite for risk in different contexts. Um, so this is where we start to look at the objectives of the organization, the key responsibilities of the board and the staff. Um, and these are generally categorized. So y- you can find a lot of standard categories, you know, when you look look up risk online, you know, and you look for risk categories, there'll be things like health and safety, you know, compliance, reputation, governance, etc., which an organization will decide its risk appetite against. Um, and, and they're useful categories, they're important, but but I think to make this more meaningful, you should be Again, going back to your objectives, those in your strategy, those in the board's responsibilities, and include some of those objectives in your categories again, you know, so it could be to increase engagement with other national agencies or to secure a significant sponsor and a not-for-profit context. To me, those kinds of objectives are are equally important to figure out what is your risk appetite in in terms of pursuing those. Um, So when that risk appetite is agreed across the various areas of work, what happens next? Okay, well, organizations should have risk management policies and procedures in place that are that are agreed by the Audit and Risk Committee and that are approved by the board. And those documents should explain how risk appetite is agreed, how risk management uh, is implemented. That should all be set out in, in those policies and procedures. And probably the most recognizable element uh, of, of the implementation uh, of risk is is a risk register. And all the work done in, in developing and testing uh, an organization's risk appetite, it, it has to be connected into that that risk that risk register. And, and you might think that's a logical step, but uh, often we find when working with organizations that, the risk appetite levels that have been agreed, uh, they're, they're often not reflected in the risk management process. So, you know, for instance, some of the risks in risk registers, they might sit outside of defined tolerance levels, or they may not align with the risk appetite level assigned in the area. Um, so you might find that there's there's really no connection between these things, between what the organization has has said is its appetite and its tolerance and for how it's actually treating risks that are associated with with them. But again, if, if you spend time on that step and make it a discussion and engage with the topic, you know, that that's far less likely to happen. You're, you're far more likely to have uh, appetite and tolerances uh, reflected all the way into the risk register. 
So what exactly is a risk register and how does it get populated? A risk register is essentially, it's a record of information about identified risks. So you'll, you'll often see the risk register, it, it could be in a spreadsheet format or even just a Word document. And the risk register, it, it identifies risks uh, associated with different categories of business. And it will show how the organization plans to deal with those risks. So really, the organization's policies and procedures, they should describe how the risk register gets populated. And often you'll see that risk owners uh, are assigned uh, within the organization who are responsible for identifying and monitoring certain types of risk. And that can, that can work quite well. Um, and you'll often have someone who's responsible for the coordination of the risk register in the organization. But, but it's important that you know, the register, again, is, you know, in the same way as when we've been defining risk appetite, etc. The risk register really has to be a product of coordinated discussion uh, across knowledgeable staff and in conjunction with the board, rather than being the, the role of just a series of individuals who are working in isolation. Right. And have you any tips for things to consider when building a risk register? Yeah, we have a few suggestions for things to consider when you're developing the risk register. And these are really informed by that need to consider risk from a strategic standpoint. The first is that the risk register template, it should request that risks identified are associated with a risk appetite statement, which in turn should be linked to one of the organization's objectives. And this will really help those identifying risk to remember that risk is uncertainty that's important to the organization meeting its objectives. If you can't connect the risk you've identified to one of the categories that have been signaled as being strategically important, then it's worth questioning if that risk warrants, warrants the resources needed to manage it. And if it, you know, perhaps it does. And if it does, then, you know, the person identifying the risk may have come up with an additional area that should be categorized and should be given a risk appetite by the board. So, so that's one of the first things that the template should be prompting the, those questions. Um, another thing is just that the description of risk really should follow a consistent format. Um, you know, the point of including something in a risk register is, is to identify it as a risk and to be able to monitor how it's being managed. And sometimes you see when, when we look at risk registers, um, you know, the, the risks will be things like reduced um, reduced fundraising potential might be one. Fraud might be identified as a risk. Low staff morale might be identified as a risk. And, and so when you see these lists, it just feels like any possible risk has been has been thrown into the register. And when risks are described like this, um, it, it kind of gives you nothing to work with. Um, it doesn't tell you why there might be low staff morale. Um, it doesn't tell you uh, what what would cause it. And the thing is, in that case, you're, you're only dealing with the effect, you're not dealing with, with the cause. And if you don't know what the cause is, then how are you going to manage the risk? So how risks are described is really important. And it should be clear that because of something, um, a cause, uh, a risk might occur, and that would lead to a particular effect. So that should be clearly set out within uh, the risk that's been uh, warranted uh, as being included in the risk register. Otherwise, how are you going to manage the risk? The relative importance of risks 
included in the risk register also needs to be analysed and agreed. And risks are identified in the risk register in terms of what level of impact they might have uh, and how likely they are to happen. And and some say that, you know, risks that have a low likelihood of happening uh, should be given a low level of attention. But if you look at um, uh, the OECD, uh, Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, it looked at different governance systems internationally and, and it concluded that boards really weren't giving enough attention to high impact risks where the likelihood of the risk happening was low. High impact is high impact and low likelihood is different to no likelihood. So the things that could kind of sink the boat, uh, they need to be watched and, and managed. And I think that's that's an important uh, aspect to consider. Um so even though it's unlikely, the impact could be high and, and it, it deserves uh, attention as a result of that. Another thing I think is is to build knowledge to treat risks, uh, but to treat individual risks, you need to understand them. And this is where building up research and understanding of risks is important. And the outcome of that increased knowledge will result in further options for how the risk can be managed and may lead to it being upgraded or downgraded from its original uh, positioning on your on your risk register. So just in terms of the risk register, pointers are to link the risk template to the risk appetite categories and statements, make those connections, provide meaningful descriptions of risk so that you can see cause and effect and take actions in that context. Analyze, prioritize risks. They're not all equally important. And build up knowledge about risks to increase the ways that risks can be treated. So from a governance perspective then, what's the role of the board in overseeing risk management? As we mentioned earlier, the Audit and Risk Committee will be looking at the detail of the risk register with the executive. And that role is part of their their terms of reference and part of what's expected under the governance codes. So the Order and Risk Committee should be challenging progress reports on the effectiveness of the plans for addressing risks uh, throughout the year. When it comes to reporting to the board, uh, I think the board should receive progress reports from the risk owners on the top priority risks, those with the highest impacts. Um, as we said earlier, the risk register should be developed collaboratively uh, but owners of risks will be identified. And if these individuals can report directly to the board, it's likely to lead to more insightful and detailed reporting on priority risks. So Auditor and Risk Committee, certainly keeping an eye on risk uh, on behalf of the board. Uh, it's a it's a big part of their, their role and, and responsibility, but the board is ultimately responsible. And then focusing on top priority risks and having those risk owners maybe report directly to the board to give them that, that understanding of how each uh, risk is being managed. We, we found that to have been a, a particularly useful way of reporting it to the board. Yeah, I can imagine. And so I presume the risk register and even risk appetite has to be reviewed because you know how the organisation thinks about risk might change over time and the risks themselves on the risk register uh, might change and evolve over time. Is that right? Circumstances change all the time. The external environment can throw up all sorts of developments that need to be factored into thinking. Um, the board really should be leading that review and uh, it should be in conjunction with, with the staff. As we've said all the way through, it has to be a collaborative effort. And it's also just, it's important to 
continue to connect that thinking with strategy and where your strategy is being reviewed. Uh, often there'll be midterm uh, evaluations of strategy or um when that's happening, it's very important to 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 again look at um, where you stand in terms of risk as it connects to that strategy. And so, in real terms, do you think that all this attention on risk actually works and warrants all the time and effort? Well, I think that we can all think of things that have happened, both external to and internal to our organisation, that that weren't on any risk register and had never been considered. Um, so, of course, you know, it has to be acknowledged that a, a risk register isn't an answer to everything uh, and it certainly won't anticipate all risks. But I, but I don't think that means that it has no value. Um, I think that a, a comprehensive look at risk in the way that we're suggesting it, it's important because it, it helps you to look at your objectives from a different perspective and to challenge yourself to anticipate uh, uncertainty that matters. Yeah. You know, earlier you used this term, a mature risk management culture. Um, if an organisation has the ambition to develop that, what does that actually look like in practice? Well, we've developed kind of a, a checklist that is available on our website that, that lists a series of characteristics and, and gives you the opportunity to rate, you know, where you think you are with uh, with each of them. So, you know, for instance, are you satisfied that a given thing is fully in place or partially in place? So, so that might be useful. But in general terms, you know that you're operating within an organization that's managing risk strategically and, and in a kind of a mature um, fashion, if you like, um, if you're satisfied about some of the following things. So if you're satisfied that the organization's risk appetite and management processes are documented, um, that the board is setting clear and consistent expectations for managing risks, that senior management are communicating clear and consistent expectations for managing risks also. Um, if you're you're happy that the board uh, kind of role models risk management thinking and that it discusses tolerance to risk. And then again, the senior management is doing the same thing, that it role models risk management thinking uh, and it discusses um, tolerance to risk, that these things are, are informing decision making. If you're satisfied that senior management engage with staff on risk and actively seek out information about risk. If you're if you can see and there's evidence of an effective means of communicating risk information across the organization. Uh, if staff are taking the necessary steps to escalate what they see as being significant risks and if the the currency uh, of risks uh, is kept uh, under review on an on an ongoing basis. So I think they're the kinds of characteristics um, of what might be termed kind of a mature risk management culture or risk culture. Um, I think for the most part, organizations are, are perhaps on the road to that with, with probably uh, a relative minority who, who could satisfy themselves that all those characteristics are fully in place. Yeah, I can well imagine. What are we going to be looking at for the next episode of the podcast well, we've talked here about how risk is connected with achieving strategic objectives. Um, during our next podcast, I think it might be helpful to talk about the board's role in strategy development uh, and then maybe in terms of the role of the board in overseeing progress against strategic objectives. Well, I look forward to taking a closer look at that in the next episode. Trish, thanks very much. Thanks, Will. You can find out more, access resources, templates and the full one question guides at obriangd.ie. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.